Join me in the letter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1. And I want to begin reading, we're going to read quite a few verses this morning. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, we'll start there. And we'll read to the end of chapter 2. He writes, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking, it has been testified, testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. 
For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Last week, I shared with you how one of my favorite movies is The Greatest Showman. And at the end of that movie, when P.T. Barnum surrenders from that and walks away from the distracting voice of Miss Jenny Lind, he returns to the one who has always loved him, the one who loves him most, and in his desire to explain to her his reason for listening and giving in to the distracting voice as he explains his reason for drifting away. He says these words. He says, I've brought this hardship on you and our family. You warned I wouldn't listen. You warned I wouldn't listen. And as I was thinking about that, I, I wonder... For, if for many of us, like Barnum, the reason why we give in to those distracting voices that we talked about a little bit last Sunday is because, like him, we're not listening to the voice of the one who loves us most, the voice of, voice of Jesus. And maybe, maybe we're not listening to the voice of Jesus because, quite frankly, we don't know what the voice of Jesus is saying. And we don't know what the voice of Jesus is saying because, quite frankly, we're not spending time listening to the voice of Jesus in his word. This past week, I really struggled with what to preach today. I struggled between do we just kind of power through these next set of verses in Hebrews and just do that, which would be fine, or after sensing the Spirit of God really moving last Sunday morning and then seeing some of the responses and hearing some of the responses throughout the week of the struggle that many of us have in listening to these distracting voices. Do we need another week? Another week to learn how do I defeat these distracting voices that I so easily listen to? And after thinking it through, praying about it, I think we need another week. I think we need another week, and I think we need another week to talk about this because I think like Barnum, we're giving in to the distracting voices and drifting because we're not listening to the voice of the one who loves us most. And we're not listening to the voice of the one who loves us most because, quite frankly, we don't know what he says because we're not spending time hearing what he's already said in his word. And to be honest, we're no different than the first century followers of Jesus. Because I think what we see here in these opening chapters of Hebrews, as we've learned already in this study, that he's writing to a group of Christians who are drifting, who are tempted to give in and listen to those distracting voices, and they're wondering, is following Jesus worth it? It's so hard to follow Jesus. It's just easier to listen to the voice, other voices, and just follow them And what does he do here in these opening chapters? We just read 28 verses. 11 of those 28 verses, the author, the the writer of Hebrews, is quoting Old Testament scripture. 
And I think what he's doing here, and in fact, throughout the entire letter of Hebrews, he quotes nearly 40 Old Testament scriptures. They're direct quotations from, from the voice of Jesus found in his word in the Old Testament. And why the Old Testament? Because he's writing this letter to primarily Jewish Christians who highly valued and respected the Old Testament scriptures. So he's, he's basically using their scriptures saying, listen, let me reveal to you from the scripture that you value, that you should know why Jesus is better. And he just keeps quoting scripture after scripture after scripture. Why? To help them see that the voice of Jesus, and here's the truth for us this morning that I want us to get, that I think we see here when we take a a bird's eye view, if you will, of, of these chapters in Hebrews. The voice of Jesus found in his word defeats the distracting voices that cause us to drift. The voice of Jesus found in his word defeats the distracting voices that cause us to drift. These were people who were drifting. We read it in chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, do not drift. They're drifting. They have a tendency to listen to the distracting voice. So what's he do? Let me take you back to the word. And let's see what the word has to say. Let's see what the voice of Jesus had said. And he takes them back to the word. I mean, if we just look at the different quotations from the Old Testament, in chapter 1, verse 5, that is, a quotation from Psalm chapter 2 and 2 Samuel chapter 7. Verse 6, it's a quote from Deuteronomy. Verses 7 and 8, it's quotes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 104 and Psalm 45. Verse 9 of chapter 1, it's a quote from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 61. Verses 10 through 13, those are quotes from Psalm 102 and Psalm 110. Go down to chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. That's a quote from Psalm chapter 8. Chapter 2, verse 12, that's a quote from Psalm 22. Verse 13 of chapter 2, it's a quote from Isaiah. In the first century, when following Jesus was hard, when the temptation was to listen to and give in to the distracting voices of culture, of our own mind, or whatever it might be, or the the distracting voices of shame, or worry, or guilt, or, or whatever, pleasure, he says, no, 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 listen, you need to understand what the voice of Jesus has said in his word. If you're going to defeat this, this, those distracting voices, you need to listen to the voice of Jesus found in his word. And, and so why I sense the need to stay here for another week is quite frankly, statistics would tell us that not even a third of you read the Bible this week. A recent study came out that said 27% of those who attend church regularly read their Bibles a few times a week. And that's not 27% of Americans. That's 27% of people who attend are sharing life with church consistently are reading the Bible a few times a week. Are actually listening and spending time hearing what the voice of Jesus has to say in his word. A couple weeks ago, we started this series, and the challenge was to read through the letter of Hebrews. And I know some of us, we have our own reading plans, which is awesome, and, you know, that that kind of thing, and that's great. And some of you maybe weren't here that Sunday, so you're off the hook. But I just wonder, how many of us actually have done that? How many of us have actually spent time reading this letter of Hebrews? And, And regardless of that, how many of us have actually spent time just listening to the voice of Jesus in his word? Do we, 
Do we really want to overcome those distracting voices? Really? Do you? I mean, do I really? Because if this is true, if, if the voice of Jesus found in his word defeats the distracting voices that cause us to drift, then we should be able to determine our desire to defeat the distracting voices by our discipline and desire to spend time in the word. Make sense? I mean, that seems what the, what the writers do. He's like, let me just take you back to the word and tell you what the word has to say about Jesus. Because you're tempted to give in. You're tempted to, to walk away and to, and to drift from Jesus. So let me just take you back to what the word has to say. And so the truth, again, for us this morning is this. The voice of Jesus found in his word defeats the distracting voices that cause us to drift. And do we really believe that? And so this morning, I just want to take some time to look at what does the voice of Jesus have to say about some of these distracting voices that cause us to drift. This is not an exhaustive list by any measure. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you and ask you to read some scripture this morning for us. You're going to see passages of scripture on the screen. All right. See the first one, if we would, we're going to look at the first distracting voice of fear or that need for control. All right, Proverbs 29, 25. Somebody find that verse, if you would. Somebody else look up Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Read 6 and 7. Someone else find 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And then someone else, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And if you have it, if you would, you don't have to stand, but I encourage you to stand and read it nice and loud for us. So we can hear what the voice of Jesus found in his word has to say about these distracting voices. Does anyone have Proverbs 29, 25? Steve, if you would, read it for us. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. If you struggle with listening to that voice of fear, that need for control, that's a wonderful truth to hide in your heart, to memorize. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. It will trap you. It will contain you. That's what a snare does. It traps you. It keeps you from moving. It makes you, it kind of debilitates you. And so if you're struggling with listening to that voice of fear, and a lot of times our need for control comes at the root of that is fear, because we're afraid. Like if I can't control my circumstances, then I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to know how, what to do. Right? So really fear, it, it's at the root of that need for control. And you see, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. But the voice of Jesus, I'm safe. You can, I'm safe. You can trust me. And a lot of times what happens is we, we allow the fear of man to, to ensnare us, which keeps us from stepping out, which keeps us from really living by faith. I just need to control everything because I don't want... I'm not sure of the unknown. I, I don't like the unknown. Right? So let me just control the known. But later in Hebrews, he says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I wonder how many of us actually are pleasing God because we're not, li we're not living by faith. And we're not living by faith because we're controlled by fear. And the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. How about Luke chapter 12, verse 6 and 7? Anybody have that? Aislinn, read it nice and loud, hon. Why, 
Even the hairs on your head are numbered. You are of more value than the sparrows, Jesus says. Well, what's the voice of Jesus say? He says, I know all there is to know about you. What are you afraid of? I know everything there is to know about you. I know the number of hairs on your head, and for some, that's less than others. Right? I know that. I know that about you. All right? And if you can try, I, can, I know all the smallest details of your life. Trust me. I've got this. We talked a little bit about that last Sunday. Jesus, he's got it. No need to fear. No need to try to control. If he knows the smallest details of your life, you can trust him with the bigger ones as well as the small ones. All right, how about uh, 2 Timothy 1.7? Who's got that? Chris? For God does not give us a spirit of fear, all right, but a power of love and self-control. And I think he's talking primarily about the Holy Spirit. And so it's as if Jesus is saying, remember, you've been given my spirit to live inside you. The same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the grave lives inside you. The same spirit that looked fear and death, bull face in the eye, while he's resurrecting Jesus from the grave, lives in you. You got nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. And he says, it's power, my spirit's power, that we get our English word dynamite. The Holy Spirit obliterates fear. And then he says that he's love, my spirit is love, that's unconditional love. So whatever you're trying to control so that you can receive love or you're afraid of, he's like, listen, you've got all the love you need. And Romans 5 tells us that God is lavishing, continuing to pour his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. What are you afraid of? He loves you. And evidence of that is the Spirit. And then he says, he's of self-control. The Spirit doesn't panic. He's in total control. He doesn't panic. You got nothing to fear if he's inside you. Last verse, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Who's got that one? Michael. He frees them. The cross has delivered us from fear. Fears of the enemy, that need for control. He said, listen, my cross, the blood on the cross, it frees, I've delivered you, I've set you free. Now imagine if you woke up and you just started reading these verses every morning. If you struggle with fear and control. And just replayed the voice of Jesus in your mind and in your heart. Distracting voice of worry. This is a big one for me. You'll see some verses on the screen. Listen, this is huge for me. As a kid, when I was in elementary school, I hated missing school. Hated it. And I hated missing school because I would worry that I would not be able to make up the work that I was missing that day. And I would worry about it all day long. I'd be like, oh, I'm missing this, I'm missing this. And then it would make me more physically sick. So then I'd miss more school. Then I met, that meant I missed more work. It was just awful. It was just horrible, debilitating for me. And I get this, this, this distracting voice of worry. But what does the voice of Jesus have to say? Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Kate, Jesus already knows. He's like, the Father knows. He knows all about it. He's on it. 
You just focus on Jesus. You just seek first the kingdom of God. You don't need to worry. I mean, he's, he's got it. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, who is that? Brennan. Yeah, it's as if he's saying, instead of trying to control it, first talk to me about it. Instead of worrying about it, just talk to me about it. Can we just talk about it first? Can you just bring it to my attention first? Don't be anxious, but just talk to me about it. Isaiah 26.3, who's got that? Janie. Beautiful truth. He keeps those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. It's as if Jesus, just think less about your circumstance and think more about me. Just think more about me and who I am and my love for you and that I'm with you, that I care about you. How about the distracting voice of guilt or shame? Colossians 2, 14. We won't look at the Isaiah passage for the sake of time. Romans 8, 1, 1 John 1, 9. Colossians 2, 14. Does anyone have that one? Amen. That record of debt, that thing that holds you guilty against God, he's like, it's nailed at the cross, so just leave it there. (laughs) Some of you are just so overwhelmed with your past and how dark and dirty and messy it is. And if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, that record of guilt and debt is at the cross. Leave it there. Leave it there. Romans 8.1. Who's got that? Jeremy. Jeremy. There is therefore now no condemnation. If you are in Christ, no shame. No condemnation. Fully loved, fully approved by the Father because of what Christ has done for you at the cross and the empty tomb. 1 John 1.9, who's got that? Jason. that last bit to cleanse us from all unrighteousness all of it you're completely clean that's how the father sees you listen it is not about how you feel you say I don't feel clean I feel guilty I get that but it's not about how you feel it's about what Jesus says and has said Jesus said in John 17 17 My word is truth. My word is, don't listen to your feelings. Listen to the truth. The voice of Jesus as he has spoken in his word. So your feelings will say, I feel guilty, I feel shame, I'm a Christian. Okay, maybe it's because you're living in sin and maybe you need to recognize that. So you go confess that and repent of that. And when that happens, you are completely clean because of the blood of Jesus that forgives you. So you don't need to hold on to that. You walk away from that knowing that the Father loves you and put his son on the cross so you can be forgiven of that shame and that guilt that comes from sin. Completely clean. Distracting voice of unbelief or sin. We'll look at just Mark 9, 20 through 24. The Jeremiah passage. We'll look at those two. Anybody have Mark 9, 20 through 24? 
Somebody else grab um, Jeremiah 31. Mark 9, 20 through 24. And they brought the boy to Jesus, and when the Spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, the boy's, son, the boy's dad, he said, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it's often cast him into fire and into water, to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And man, I so resonate with this next verse. Resonate with the dad. He says, listen. Immediately. The father child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. You find yourself there all the time. But I love this man's honesty and what's he doing? He's saying, I believe, but he calls out and he says, help my unbelief. Have you ever done that? Have you asked God to help your unbelief? I think there's something there for us. It's like Jesus, Jesus saying, listen, just talk to me. I'll help your unbelief. Just ask. Just ask. How about the Jeremiah 31 passage? Who's got Jeremiah 31, 34? Redden. Oh, did you hear that last bit? I will forgive their sin and remember their sins no more. beautiful what the gospel does, what grace does, what the Father does. It's as if Jesus says, listen, the nail scars in my hands prove that I forgive you of your past, of the shame and the guilt, and I don't bring them up. That's why I went to the cross. But there's another passage I want us to see in Colossians chapter 3. That one's not on your screen, but Colossians chapter 3. Verses 2 through 9. Speaking to the church, he says, Set your minds on things that are above, Colossians 3, 2. Not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices. What's he saying here? He's saying, listen, kill sin. Those of us that have struggled, whatever it is, you got an anger issue, whatever it might be, or sexual immorality, he's like, listen, what's the voice of Jesus have to say about sin? Don't laugh at it. Don't blush at it. I mean, we should blush at it. We don't excuse it away because that stuff, I mean, that's that's why Jesus went to the cross. That's serious. So we, we shouldn't just laugh at sin or excuse sin. He says, put it to death. Put it to death. There's a reason why God has given you the Holy Spirit, and there's a reason why his name is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. It's so that he can help you become holy on the outside the way God sees you on the inside. 
How do we view sin? How does the voice of Jesus, what does he have to say about sin? I think we need to remember that. When it comes to sin in my own life and the sin that we see, see in our culture. Last distracting voice. How about the distracting voice of, for approval or people pleasing? Man, you struggle with that? Listen to that voice a lot. In 2015, there was a study on selfies in the United Kingdom. For girls aged 18 to 23, do you know what the average time preparing for a selfie was? Take a guess. A lot. Not quite two hours. 12 minutes. So the average time spent preparing for a selfie was 12 minutes. And most girls said they felt worse after they posted the selfie. Why? Why in the world? Because we need the likes. We want that approval. There's something that we're trying to get, right? Please people, please ourselves, listen to those voices. Well, what does the voice of Jesus have to say about this? Galatians 1.10, if you struggle with this, this is a brilliant truth from the voice of Jesus to get in your heart and in your mind. Galatians 1.10, does anyone have that? Yeah, do you see what he's saying there? He's saying, listen, I've freed you from this. You don't follow them, you follow me. I'm the one who went to the cross for you, not them. I've set you free from that. They didn't love you enough to rescue you from sin. In fact, they couldn't, but I could, and so I did. That's how much I love you. You don't need to try to please them. You don't follow them, you follow me. Romans 5.8, who's got that? You need a reminder that you're loved? Just look at the cross. Just look at Jesus. But God demonstrated his love for you that while you were still in the act of sinning, Christ died for you. He loves you that much. Romans 8, 35 through 39, we won't read that, but listen, the love of people will come and go. You will fail people. People will reject you. But there's one love that will never go, that will always be there. And it's the love of the one who loves you most, Jesus. And as I was thinking about this, this week and I asked the band to come, I just want to read something that I wrote in response to some of this. Maybe if we liked Jesus more, we wouldn't need the likes from Facebook or Instagram. Maybe if we spent time looking more at his love for us, we wouldn't need to look for the validation from others. Maybe if we spent time knowing what Christ has already posted about us in his word and his love for us in his word, we wouldn't need the posts of others to feel loved or approved because we would know that we're already loved by the one who loves us most even when we were and are at our worst. Listen, the blood on the cross is all all the validation you need to know that you are loved. Always. You warned I wouldn't listen. You warned I wouldn't listen. And I just wonder how many of us have given in to the distracting voices, quite honestly, because we're not listening to the voice of the one who loves us most. And we're not listening to the voice of the one who loves us most because we're not spending time hearing it. 
This voice has spoken. He's spoken. Yes, he speaks, but he has spoken. And do we really believe that the voice of Jesus found in his word defeats the distracting voices that cause us to drift? There's victory in the voice of Jesus. So here's your challenge, right? Here's the challenge. Read your Bible every day. I don't know what else to... I mean, seriously. I mean, come on. Most of us don't. And we wonder why we listen to the distracting voices and struggle with sin. And Why? Listen, King David said, I've hidden your one in my heart that it might not sin against you. King David wasn't a pastor. People think, you know, well, you're a pastor. You should blah, 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 you know, have all this time. What do you do all day? What do you do all week? Whatever. You know, I don't know. I just sit around and pray all day, 24-7, whatever, which I probably should. Wouldn't be a bad thing. But King David was a king. He was a king. And read Psalm 119 and read how much that dude loved the word. He was busy, he worked full time, but he made a priority, spent time listening to the voice of Jesus in his word. And he said, how can, I, how can I refuse a distracting voice? By knowing your word, God. So read your Bible every day this week, but don't just read it. Send a text out to your house, church. Hey, here's what the voice of Jesus said to me this week as I was reading his word. Can we do that? Can you just imagine, just imagine everyone in this room from oldest to youngest, we actually read our Bibles every day this week. What, just imagine. I think we'd see more victory over sin. I think we'd see more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I mean, I'm just going out. I, I just think maybe that would happen. We might see relationships that have been separated maybe start to walk more toward one another. Maybe. So just read your Bible. And listen, coming here once a week and hearing 35, 40 minutes isn't going to cut it. It just didn't. It's like going to the doctor, the doctor saying you need to cut out salt, cut out sugar, you need to you know, eat more veggies, all this stuff. And then you go back to the doctor next week and he says, did you do any of that? No. Well, okay, you need to cut out salt, you need to cut out sugar, you need to eat better and all this stuff, you need to exercise, come back next week. Did you do that? No. I'm like, okay, this is getting us nowhere. Until you're willing to actually do something that the doctor has said, Hebrews 1 says, God has spoken to us, how? By his son. And so as we sing, if you need to kneel, you need to pray, you want to come to the cross and pray and just say, God, I believe this, help my unbelief. I'm recommitting my heart, our family, my house church to your word. You do that. Because the voice of Jesus found in his word defeats the distracting voice that's causing you to drift. Lord, you love us so much. The cross, the empty tomb, God. And now may we take this truth that you have spoken and may you use it to just feed our hearts and our minds. May we see victory this week because we have heard you speak. We've heard the voice of Jesus in your word. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Before I close this prayer, if you need to pray this morning, you need to get on your knees, you need to talk to someone, please do that now. You need to repent, do that now. 
And let us be a people committed to hearing what Christ has said in his word. Lord Jesus, we love you. Receive this as our worship this morning. In your name, amen.